This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. ...of means, and she uh, used her power to set up a facility that served initially people with developmental disabilities. I'm going to show you... a. Oh, first I have to say I have, no, I have nothing to disclose. That's a... This is a, uh, a legal thing here, but this is a, what you see here is a photo. It's kind of hard to make out, but down at the bottom, this is a photo of the coast at San Francisco many years ago, and there was a pool. It was at that time, and probably if it was still in existence, would still be the largest outdoor pool in the world. It, was, it used ocean water. If you can imagine the coast of this city pumping ocean water into a pool, uh, that was more than three football fields long. The lifeguards had to sit in uh, canoes to uh, patrol the pool. But the Pomeroy Center was founded, as was mentioned, as the rec center initially. And uh, right, right behind the, the uh, pool was the San Francisco Zoo. So I guess at that time, where did people with disabilities go? Well, they went to the, right behind the zoo. And, and into a building at a pool that was very cold, and they were on an upper floor of the rec center. So, you know, if you had mobility issues, you, I guess you were carried up the stairs. There was no, uh, no way to, to get up there. But, but nonetheless, Janet Pomeroy used her position to wrangle from the city the space to open up a rec center. And the purpose was so that families did not have to leave children that had developmental disabilities at home all day, but instead had a place where they could go and, and at least have recreational activities. Later on, and the, there's a piece of land towards the back of that picture, it's just all wooded, the city agreed to give her that space too. It's about a five-acre plot of land, which we are still on, as long as she could come up with the money to, to develop it. You know, at that time, it would be really hard to get five acres from the city today, but at that time, she was uh, able to do it. And what's really interesting about that is her, in her mind, when she set that up, she didn't want it to be just a place for people with disabilities, but she wanted it to be a community center, a place where people could come and people who don't have disabilities could come as well. And you're going to see in the next few slides some of what's going on in, in, uh, in Pomeroy Center today. I do want to let everybody know that like any other day program that serves people with disabilities, we are licensed. Uh, we do hold a platinum seal of transparency uh, from GuideStar. And we also recently uh, received another three-year accreditation from the Commission on Accreditation of Rehabilitation facilities. Right now, and I'm going to talk about the current, the current goals at the Pomeroy Center, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about what we aspire to be in the future um, as well. So right now, you know, we are continuing to strive to become a compelling community center that serves a diverse population. This is a a part of our population every day, we have uh, a program for children. The only after-school program for kids with special needs in the city of San Francisco. 
And although it looks like the buses never end, and I mean, some days it feels like that, um, every day we get about uh, 80 kids that come from the school public schools into our center between 2.30 and 3. And at just about the time where most of the staff sort of winding down, looking for that last cup of coffee, all these kids come in and the energy level really goes up. We, here's just a picture of two people who happen to be sitting at the center, uh, just enjoying conversation outside. Uh, with their hats and coats probably means it was in the summer here. And, um, <laughs> and you know, enjoying, uh, this is a, a part of our, our, our property where we, we celebrate some of the individuals and their accomplishments in that you see some of the photos in, 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 the, uh, in, in the rear. Here's a van that goes out. We have, we, we like to celebrate the abilities of our people. Um, I'm not a big fan of the word disability. I always think in terms of people that have differing abilities. And this is a van that takes some of our people out that, that actually work in the community and do uh, some landscaping uh, for private homeowners and businesses. We, uh, it's a very welcoming sign in our lobby. Usually the the clouds are, are not there, but that was the beauty of technology at work. This is just a, uh, a view of our lobby. Um, Francis, who uh, you know, has been in our program, and I, I, I know our, our guest here in the very front, who also uh, spent his childhood at our program, probably knows Francis. She came to the program in 1954 and is, is still with us uh, today. Just a picture of our main hall. This is where a lot of gatherings go on, not just for our participants, but we have music we bring in. Uh, today, there was a band there called Bread and Roses. They play a lot in the Bay Area. So there are days where we bring in entertainment just for the, the people that are at our center, but also on Friday nights or Saturday nights, we have music and the public comes in and we, our, our participants might be there to, uh, you know, serve drinks or take tickets or uh, show people to their seats. Our stage, uh, Paul Giannini stage, that's named after uh, Paul had been with us. He, he passed away, was one of our participants, Clara Giannini, as a longtime board member. And actually, uh, Clara Giannini and Janet Pomeroy back in the 1960s and Eunice Shriver, we have photos of them all together. That's what makes this award so interesting to me because between these women who, you know, you think back to the 1950s, 19, early 1960s, it wasn't easy for, for women to own any business, start any business, let alone uh, uh, programs like this. But when you look at the history of our country, that's really the, who drove uh, the models that we have today. And um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. We have a dance and yoga studio, so one of the things that makes our day activity program a little unique, and in fact, just two Sundays ago, uh, myself and another staff member were in Hawaii at a, a PACRIM disability conference sponsored by the University of Hawaii, and we were talking about our day program because it is an educational program. Uh, we have over 45 classes. We run it like a community college. And in fact, two of the classes are run by community college professors and students from the outside can come and take their art 
or drama at the Pomeroy Center along with our participants. Whoops, I missed something and I want to go back to it. Um, so, pardon me? Oh, you're going to help me with going backwards? Okay. Um, we have another, there's another part of our program that's very important to the Pomeroy Center in terms of bringing the public in, and that's this warm water pool. So as our program was built, it, you know, it has its roots as a recreational center and a, certainly the pool, and Janet wanted the pool to be created. It's, a, it's warm water. What I mean by warm water, we keep it between 92 and 94 degrees. It's salt water based like the ocean, except it's a little bit... We make the salt it's a little bit better for your skin. And the pool's used by adults from the community uh, in both the morning and the evening, people that may have had surgery or they, they have some issue that, of pain that they're trying to solve or they're rehabilitating themselves, and the pool's fantastic for that. It's also in mid-morning and right after school. Uh, we have infant swimming lessons and then ch uh, children swimming lessons. It's the best place in the world if you have a baby because the water is like bath water. We ne you never hear an infant scream like you do when you go to the Y and they dip them in the cold pool and they're freaking out. That just does not happen uh, at the Pomeroy Center. Um, and so we, we, uh, the pool is a very important part of bringing the community in. The other goal we have is to help our participants demonstrate their value not only by working but also volunteering in the community. So we serve about 250 adults and more than 100 of them are not verbal or their verbal skills are very, very minimal. Some of them, another number of them are not verbal or mobile. Um, and so, you know, it is a very, very uh, difficult population to get into the work community, but that doesn't mean they don't have value. So we have found ways of helping our participants get into the community by volunteering to do things. This is a group here that uh, works with the food bank. Every Tuesday we get a pallet of food from the San Francisco Marin F uh, Food Bank. We separate it into grocery bags. Our participants, we load them up in a van and all the groceries and we deliver groceries to needy people in San Francisco. And I will tell you, like the two gentlemen on the right, neither one is verbal. Uh, but when the van pulls up, they recognize the apartment building they're going into. They know the apartment they're going to. They knock on the door. They go in. They feel very valuable and valued by the community uh, to do that. This is a group of the Able Gardeners. Uh, you're, you're seeing them in the background. You see downtown San Francisco uh, just out in the community doing a project. Um, this is our food bank volunteers. We also, besides delivering groceries, work at the food bank to help them sort their incoming food to get it ready to go out to other organizations. We also deliver meals for Meals on Wheels in the city. So this is another nonprofit that we work with. And just like the food bank, on Wednesdays right now we load up our van, and we take food right now to 36 needy families throughout San Francisco. And the director of the food bank just contacted me today about adding another route. Uh, I was assured that this selfie was not taken while the van was in motion. <laughs> I have no way to know. In our 
our program, we also have a full-size basketball gym. And uh, this is a group of our participants practicing basketball, but our, our team, uh, the Wildcats, is undefeated in their long history. And we can't wait for the Golden State Warriors to move to San Francisco because that'll be our, our first test. But in reality, it's just part of the whole thing about physical fitness. This is just one of the classes. On the right, you see uh, one of our participants across the street at Harding Park, which is a tournament players course. The PGA Championship will be there in 2020, and we get to go over there and work with an organization, another nonprofit called First Tee. Uh, First Tee is a national organization, and we teach people uh, golfing skills. And here's uh, our group and uh, out golfing. Esther, who's sitting over here, is our development director. And there's our past board chair. And one of our participants, Frank, there on the far left, is about to turn 80 years old. Um, and he is in great health and great spirits. And he loves to golf. Last thing uh, we're working on right now, or a, a big issue, is our, our uh, expressive arts program. And we want... It is amazing, and I know some of you are probably familiar with this, but everyone has an ability to express themselves. Sometimes verbally they don't, can't, that's not how they do it, but they can do it through art or they can do it through music. We have an amazing art program, and our artists, our artists show their art at bakeries in the city. Uh, we have a couple of retail locations where we sell our art. And then, of course, we have the Pomeroy Center itself. And the art class is one of the classes that the uh, City College of San Francisco professors run. And so they're, they're not only teaching, but opening it up uh, for the community. And all kinds of art. I mean, we, we saw some painting. We also do a lot of sculpture. And then we do expressive art through uh, music as well. And, and as well as dance. So I showed you the, the dance studio. One of our staff, the woman uh, on, the far, uh, on the far left, she came to us. She's a direct service staff. But in the evening, uh, after work, she's a ballerina here in San Francisco. So she brought her talent to the Pomeroy Center. So after providing direct service or as part of that, she also teaches a dance class. And this is just part of a performance they put on uh, during the holiday season. And this is our drama class. And uh, they meet Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And again, a lot of self-expression and a lot of ability for people to really uh, get up and do something that they really want to do in front of their peers and in front of an audience as well. Uh, wonderful woman there, Hope, with her tambourine. Um, the last goal we've been working on, and this is a, a lot of work for us, uh, and that's because of our, our children's program. 70, so we have right now 82 kids in that program. 70 of them have autism as either one or part of a dual diagnosis. It is an amazing number uh, when you think about that. Um, and our children, you know, we have a big playground. Uh, our kids' program is six days a week, so we have an after-school program and then an all-day Saturday program. And then when the public schools are closed, we're open, and we have camp, so parents have an opportunity to continue to have uh, their children come in. Um, we keep a one-to-four ratio, 
staff to uh, children, and uh, you know the kids are just they're just great. We have this is what's ca called a snoozlin' room. It's not a name we made up, by the way. It's actually a scientific name, but it's a sensory room. You, it doesn't do justice to look at it in a static way, but there's a lot of uh, motion in the room. There's videos going on of things that are very calming. Uh, there's a lot of light sensory. There's some sound as well. Uh, there's chairs so people who are confined to wheelchairs can get out of their chair and sit in a hammock or something different. We have very sophisticated tools to transfer individuals from one thing to another so that everyone can enjoy a different mode during the day if they need it. Or if they're in sensory overload, uh, this is just a great place to relax, where you find me most afternoons. <laughs> just more kids um, bouncing and uh, Elizabeth, who this is Elizabeth being Elizabeth in our program. I want to say, uh, like everybody else, I am uh, amazed and just humbled by our staff because this is an extremely expensive place to live. And we have to pay hourly wages to people who are taking care of adults with disabilities or children. And it's very difficult to live in the community on what we are able to pay. But the staff, we have very little turnover. And in the last two years, we've had nobody go out and on uh, unemployment insurance, you know, or leave us. You know, it's just amazing to me. What are we trying to do uh, moving forward? Well, one, we want to continue uh, to have our individuals surpass their community integration goals either through employment or volunteer service, combination of that, or in any type of outing that would be meaningful to them. And I do want to say that we do not set goals. A lot of people come in and want to know, what's your goal for a number of people to seek employment? And I go, I don't, I don't have a goal for that. Our goal is to satisfy our individual's desires. And our goal to do that is 100% but we don't put any other goal on. It's all about what, what they want out of their life and what they want out of the program. We want our program to have an impact in this community and have that impact grow. So one of the things we're doing right now is we, we just opened up two residential facilities. That is not something we've been in before, uh, but it's something we felt we had to go into because many group homes in this city are being sold people who've been running group homes now, hey, my house can, I can get a million or two or three uh, for my home and I can sell it and I can move to Reading or I can move to Fresno or I can move out of state and start a group home somewhere else. And in San Francisco, housing is a problem for everybody, but it's especially a problem for people with developmental disabilities. So we now have opened two group homes on uh, Fulton Street near the Golden Gate Park um, and they're, they're just beautiful homes with a great, great vibe. The next thing we're looking at, because we have so much experience with children, is having an integrated daycare program. So we're just about done with our license uh, for that. Uh, and uh, we hope to serve 20 children in a daycare program where at least half would be non-disabled, public, paid uh, spots, and the other would be kids with special needs that might be subsidized there uh, or not. But uh, the idea is that 
And we've seen model after model that works. When you put kids together, they do not detect disability at that age. They simply don't understand it. All they do is they look for ways to get around it. They want to include everybody in the games that they play. And we think that that mentality, starting at two and going to five years old, will carry over when these kids get into school and when they get into the, uh, eventually in, into the employment market because it won't be foreign to them. And I'm going to end with just a couple of, uh, of photos of some of our people. And then lastly, I just want to say this. I know some of you, many of you have probably been to an adult day program uh, at one time or another. But when I, when, when I walk into to our program, or really anyone, and you see, in our case, 250 uh, adults, and they, they just want to be who they are. And somehow, if you can just accept who they are and the fact that they have this value, and for some of them, maybe the value is that they make you laugh, and I know a lot of people that don't make me laugh. So, you know, they, they have this value that when you open your mind and your heart to them and then you learn how to communicate, it's a struggle. You know, I grew up learning, you know, how to communicate mostly verbally. A lot of the people I talk to now, I, I can't use verbal uh, cues to, to communicate with them. But when you find ways of communicating, it is amazing what you learn uh, from these individuals every day. And um, for those of you not local or those of you local, if you're in the city, you're over by the zoo, we're still by the zoo, uh, drop by, you're welcome uh, anytime. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.